1: <laughs> it would be a Wolfsburg, eh? I'm going full. C4 might get win it here.
4: Hello, hello, hello and welcome to today's episode of Wolves Fancast, part of the 90 Min Network. Joining me today, we've got Blake, Tom and Andy. How are we all on this fine Sunday evening?
3: Yeah, a nice better. to have two weeks away from it all, mate, to be honest. I'm just relieved, if anything. <laughs> In a way, missing the Liverpool game, but
4: filled with like hope and expectation, being like, oh, we only need to worry about one game. But this had enough worry in it for me. Um, <laughs> it was a drama-fuelled um, lunchtime kickoff. That's the other thing that frustrated me. Before we get on to the game, it sort of just ruins your weekend if you're
2: crapping the early
4: kickoff, doesn't it?
2: It yeah. spoils the rest of the football, doesn't it? Because there's nothing like you look forward to the, the, the three o'clock kickoff, catching the end of the early morning kickoff when you're in the ground waiting. But obviously, there was no football to watch while we were waiting, so it was—it just felt all wrong from even like an hour before kick-off. So it was never going to go right, was it? No, no. I mean, it was always going to be a
4: tall order, wasn't it? Let, let Let's be honest. It was um, always going to be a tricky afternoon, and I mean, when, when I saw the starting lineup and the, the fact that we weren't playing yet an out-and-out striker, I, I, saying that. I don't know who we'd have played, but um guys, what was your kind of impression um, of, of the squad and starting lineup?
0: Again, without eight. someone up front, it's just, it's just brutal. I mean, look, it's a good enough squad on its own. And I think that we have, uh, you know, I think eight Nori was a bit of surprise over Semedo, but beyond that, it doesn't look that bad. It's just not having someone as that number nine role it's just killing us, and I think that going up against Man City, I think we all knew that this was going to be just an enormous task to begin with. And without a proper striker, I just think it was impossible right from the get go.
2: Absolutely, I remember saying to my mom on the way to the ground when the, the, the starting lineup came through, "I said if we can keep this to three, it will be a moral victory for us because you look at that team and." There's just nothing there to really strike any fear into any opposition, let alone probably the best team in the world.
3: Yeah, I think if you look at the 11s as individuals, I don't think they're that they're that bad. But that team just isn't just cutting the mustard, is it really? And I I looked at the City team as well, and then I was even you know less confident. You know they still played everyone. I thought they were going to rest one or two. They started like, Haaland, De Bruyne, Grealish, Silver, Foden, like literally all their best players. They didn't even play Ake okay to give me any sort of hope.
4: No, but, but, but <laughs> there, was <laughs> a, there was nothing in that for a Wolves fan. So, <laughs> like, the, the way I see it, and this isn't—I don't know if this is a good or a bad thing—but like that team would struggle against Southampton. It feels like,
2: like we think be fair. Yeah,
4: do you know what I mean? We'd be, in this, we'd be in the same position. We'd be like still looking at going. How the fuck are we going to score any goals today? Um, but. We we talked about that. <laughs> it's not feeling positive going into the game, nor were we positive at half. alone when the team news announced, I don't think many of us were po- positive at twenty nine minutes to one. When after, a, well, le- less than a minute, um, I was go- I was going to say the the older enemy, um, Jack Grealish scores. I think Wolves touched the ball about once before the goal, um, <laughs> whilst. You know, Man City pretty effectively carved us up while we were still um, getting ready. Uh, Tom, what were your kind of initial thoughts on the goal? Because I think there were definitely things Wolves could have done a little bit better in terms of tracking tracking runners.
3: Yeah, definitely. Um, was it highlighting the athletic? I think they said. Um, I think Guedes uh, didn't mm. didn't follow follow his man for the cross. Um, I think Nunes had the ball, and I think well, the only you know br- very very briefly, I and mean, it was only a slightly misplaced pass. But then out of shape, and then against Man City, they're just they're just gonna gonna punish you. But I, I mean, I took my lad, um, so he's, it was his seventh birthday, and I pre warned him before the game. I said, <laughs> mate, I said, I said, I said, mate, these, I said, mate, these are good, and. Literally looked at me like after 50 seconds, and you were like, Yeah, bloody hell. Yeah, he didn't say anything, but I'm like, Yeah, there you go. I told you, mate, they're pretty good, aren't they? Um, and it had to be bloody Grealish as well, didn't it? Just so annoying.
4: I was going to say, We're sort of we're that team, though, right at the moment, aren't we? Where when you've got a player who's a bit out of form and they see they're playing Wolves next, they're probably a bit happy. Like, I'm just glad that we didn't have Spurs this weekend and and Son. So it was like that sort of, Oh, don't worry, we'll break the Huda against Wolves. Um, but yeah, Andy, did you manage to get into your seat in time and things like that for it? Because I mean, it, it was so, <laughs> it was such, uh,
2: such it, it was just, it was lightning, wasn't it? I mean, as you say, within 60 seconds of kicking off, we were kicking off again. It, it was ridiculous. I, I don't know what it was, but as soon as that pass was misplaced and you saw them break down that wing, I said to the guy next to me, they're going to score here, and they did. And I think the most egregious thing was Foden's backheel was the most telegraphed pass I've ever seen. You could see <laughs> yeah, yeah. It coming from a mile off that <laughs> he was going to backheel it. And there was no tracker. I knew Noura got too tight to Foden, so he, he'd he completely been cut out of the game. And then our centre-halves were just pulled apart. And I don't know where Johnny was trying to follow in Grealish. He, he was just too slow to it. And all of a sudden, it's off the post and into the back of the net, I think. I haven't been able to watch it back since. So I'm still quite furious about it. No, that's
4: that's a that's a pretty good way of um, summing it up. To be honest, I think, yeah, the most anyone is not tracking Kevin De Bruyne, and it's like it's it's Kevin De Bruyne, like just 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 stay on him like a rash. Mm. Um, but I I guess you could look at it from the other side that was a really well worked goal from them. Uh, they might not necessarily thought they were going to score inside 60 seconds but it was still a high quality goal that they must have like thought about how to pick walls apart i guess um and i thought after that we did seem to kind of compose ourselves for 10 minutes like i thought we'd be completely shell shocked, but um one thing before i move on to the next goal is how physical man city were against us in terms of giving away fouls and, and, and stuff like that, and not necessarily bad challenges, because we will circle back onto that one again in a second, but it felt like Man City were very much up for it, and we would, you know, we have bitches on
2: Saturday for it. Mm. Man City have always been like that. They're just a physical team, and I, I don't think, I think they take it right up to the edge of it going a little bit too far. They know where the line is and they take it right up to yes. it. And I think that is a good trait to have in a team. Yeah, you might get a you know the odd booking and red card off the back of it, but more often than not, you are going to win games from from har, har- uh, Can't get my words out for harassing and haranguing your opposition, and that's exactly what they did to us. They never really let us fully settle and get our passing game going at all.
3: Just no, tactical fouling like Pep's king of it, he knows what he's doing. Mm. They just rotate the player fouling. it was it Was it the one when Matinho had the free kick? Was it Rodri? I think he got, yeah. got done a couple of times. I think Nunes was in, or at least for a strike on goal. He knew what he was doing, he was only going to get a yellow card. Um, so just, just being smart about it, and we're not, we haven't been for years. Um, mm. and, and the better teams are,
4: yeah. Um, I was going to say, we'll, we'll go on to tactical fouls um, in, in a second when we talk about Collins, but let, let's talk Harland's goal because obviously he is that guy at the moment, but I can't remember last time I saw Max Killman defend that badly for a goal. Um, I don't know, like, it, it, don't, don't get me wrong, he's probably, <laughs> like, he's going to be one of the hardest players to mark out a game but we talk about being physically aggressive and stepping up to the plate and you know being aggressive with them I didn't quite get what he was trying to do you know turning his back away from him and just letting you know the Nordic meat shield rampage on goal Um, (laughs) uh, Andy um, did you think at the time it was just a good goal from a very good player or do you
2: think we really should have done better overall bit of both to be honest um everyone sort of got turned inside out by Haaland and he took his shot early which the best strikers do and i think that is why it seemed to go through sar cuz i don't think he had time to set himself to really save it if he'd had a you know maybe an extra touch i, I would back sar to stop it But it's just the fact that he hit it so early and so dip hard that sar just never got chance to to steady himself for the shot. Uh, You are right, though. I mean, you you back Kilman a lot of the time just to get in people's way and be a bit of a nuisance, and he never really got that chance on that goal.
4: Yeah. Tom, do you think, like, Haaland's two-footedness, like, I I don't know, like, confused Kilman? Because he genuinely didn't look, like, Kilman almost didn't look like he knew which way to go. And I've seen Kilman play enough times now that if he just needs to clear through the man, he will do. But he genuinely just didn't know what to do, which, you know, I think, yeah, so I th- in the think... Comments, you know, it, it was a bad, it, it was only a moment. It was a, you know, it was a bad moment uh, for, for Kilman. It's the first time in a while for him.
3: I think it's like a psychological thing. I, th- I actually think he was a bit scared. You know, everyone talks about Harland and and he is unreal. And I think he was, I think he was scared to engage and then get done. But I think that that's the only goal for me or the only time this season where we've looked suspect a, a, as a four. Because I think Collins was well out of position as well. The gap between the centre-halves was huge, I seem to remember. And I think it's it was more, for me, it was more what happened before the ball even got to Haaland. I think we were well out of shape. I, I, can't, I can't, I again, like Andy, I haven't, I haven't watched it back for exactly the same reason. Um but I think Collins was well out of position. He must have been covering the right. So I'm assuming Johnny was out mm. of position, or we just lost the ball, or you know we, we were out. Of, we were having a transition that went wrong, um, and yeah, two centre halves so miles apart. And then he didn't want to engage. I think because he didn't want to get done. And um, I mean, yeah, he, he can even Harden is so good; he can miss it a shot and it still goes right in the corner, and it's a goal from twenty yards. It's it's, it's ridiculous.
4: Yeah, I was going to say, Blake, that that must have been one of the more frustrating things about it. again, like. They, they swarmed us. So when that ball broke in the middle of the park, they they just swept through us, and we almost just didn't know how to reset ourselves. But the fact it wasn't actually that good a shot—that's got to have annoyed you a bit, Blake.
0: A little bit, but you know it's Holland, and that's one of the things about the the greatest players of this game. Even though they're not playing particularly well, they're still gonna they're still gonna get the job done, and it's exactly what Holland did. And I mean, I forgive Kilman a little bit because. I think I agree with Tom. He's just scared that if he commits, he's going to get done. And, you know, Holland, he hasn't really scored that much from outside the box. So I understand it to some degree, but at the end of the day, it's still Aaron Holland. And if, if you don't, if you can't commit at all, he's going to do you. And it's pretty much what happened.
4: Yeah. And like, it, it felt like two nil. I don't know. It did feel like it was a bit of a harsh school line for us. Um, because again, like we, it felt like we we're settling ourselves and like we we're getting a couple of pop shots off here and there. And although, did we ever really look like we we're going to massively score? Not really. But we had a couple of half decent chances. Um, you referencing forward. the
3: season there, Rich, or is that just yesterday? <laughs> just, just uh, yeah,
4: over the last two months. Uh, it feels <laughs> like at the moment, doesn't it? Um, yeah. It's pretty much just indicative, isn't it? Um, Especially when you say you don't have a bloody striker. Um, And then things got from, you know, bad to even worse when, you know, Jack Grealish got in the way of um, Nathan Collins' boots. I mean, I don't quite know what is Collins actually trying to do there.
2: I don't know if he's tried to volley the ball completely completely shotted it and just followed through and got the man like, i've watched it this is the only bit of the matter i've watched back because i don't understand what's happening because like the flight of the ball is he misjudged it or i honestly haven't got a clue what he's doing i'd rather he he's just running to him and, and took him out if that's what he was going to do but i, yeah, I, I just don't I, get it I...
3: I think he's tried to put a reducer on him. I think he's tried to take ball and man just to you know try and swing a bit of momentum or something like that, or he's just had a complete rush of mm. blood to the head. Um, it's weird because I think on one still I see it's not actually you know it almost looks like he's trying to kick rather than rather put his foot down and almost like you know stamp. Um, but yeah, I, I don't know. I don't know what he's doing. But is it? I don't know. Is that his fourth red card of his career? Yeah, I think he's, he's got. Set- yeah. he's got a bit of that in him, I think, and it's, that's just the inexperienced stuff. I still think he's a top-quality centre-half, um, but these are the things he's got to learn about.
4: Yeah. I mean, but Blake at the time, um, I know, Tom, you, you got in an argument it, um, after oh. during the game, even in terms of people defending it, saying it, it, it wasn't a red. Um, Blake, did you have any suspicions it it might get overturned or we like me like just what are we even doing no
0: i mean i was watching on telly and even just seeing it first time it's just in today's game it's it's straight well in any version of the game i think it's straight red (laughs) i mean it's just it's a high boot straight to the chest what can every referee make of it? I mean, the only way that we're getting off with of that is if somehow he's missed and Grealish is just being Grealish and flopping for nothing. But clearly that's not what happened. So yeah, it's it wasn't surprising on first viewing. It wasn't surprising on second viewing. It was about as straight red as straight red can be.
4: Yeah, someone says in the, um, in the YouTube comments, it's a free game all, um, all day. Um, it did make me think of like how Football Manager. and and to be fair in real life where you can like appeal red cards but they can deem it frivolous the appeal and get an extra game (laughs) and I feel like an appeal for that challenge that will be classed as frivolous Mm,
2: absolutely um, big time
4: yeah Um David Walsh has come in with a comment, so I think this is quite a fun one. Uh, reckon the sun was in Colin's eyes slightly, went for a ball and realised too late Greenish was <laughs> rushing in. Also Greenish is gonna handle the ball. <laughs> and I, I am I am loving some of these comments, guys. Um either defending the actions or you know, putting putting some sorts to it. Doesn't matter if everyone's was to get whacked then it was greasy Greenish And <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Still, still doesn't help us win the game but that's what i mean we talk about um you know pep pep and Man city being really sharp on the tactical fouls and breaking up play and i can see why collins thought it might be a good idea to foul grealish there because you say he's already covering for johnny he's always had to step over so he goes past him he's got a lot of space to run in behind grealish so i can understand you know just taking him out take the book in and found on the halfway line and might even get away for booking but then to do that it it, it just doesn't quite make sense um and and yeah i think from that I, i i think a lot of wolfsland panicked because frankly we have zero squad depth um and we've always been like a we are a injury or suspension away from pretty much any position that we're, we're bookers. And it's already happened up top. And it kind of happened at the back as well, because I think we're all kind of expecting, um, Masqueira or Toti Gomez to come on, but that isn't what happened. And, you know, all of a sudden you see, you know, Ruben Neves drop into a back four, which, I was a big fan of, to be honest. I'm not going to lie. I, I I thought if we, you know, when we used to play the back three, I think he saw knew he'd uh, retire into a sweeper position anyway. And I thought, okay, maybe we're just seeing it through to half time so we can assess. But he he plucked on. Um, guys, what what did you think about having Ruben Neves um at centre
2: half, as it were? I mean, yeah, I, I, think... I was terrified at first because like he's. Yeah, he's, he's a little bit physical, but he's not the biggest of guys. And you think up against someone like Erling Haaland, he could get pushed off the ball. He's not going to win many headers, you wouldn't imagine. But actually, his positional sense is exceptional. Like you can see that he has modelled himself on Pirlo. You can tell that he's his hero because his positional sense was actually really good. And I think he was only caught out of position at one point, which he then put a really good tackle in to almost score an own goal. But luckily, he went for a corner.
3: Yeah, I didn't mind it I think it helped us play out from the back actually mm. um I, I don't i don't, I don't get me wrong i don't think we' starting again i don't think we should be having him start a game there but uh I didn't mind it against city but also, i also think it, it shows you all well, you need to know what Large thinks about his his understudies at center back that he's leaving the center mid there um and you don't move i i was always you don't move your best player out of his best position in my in my opinion. I always hated yeah. it when it was going back like McCarthy days. Mm. Jarvis was our best player by country mile and he couldn't play Hunt couldn't play on the right. So he moved Jarvis, our best our best player, to the other side. And you don't do that. You don't move your best player out of his best position. Um so he can't he can't continue there. But I didn't mind it on, on Saturday, I didn't think it was that bad.
0: Maybe we should try mm. him as a striker next. <laughs>
3: Yeah. yeah, he'd be, the, be-, he'd be no. the best striker as well. He'd be the best centre half, the best in midfield and the best striker.
4: Yeah. That's who he is. <laughs> That's the problem. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's the issue, isn't it? Um I say, Blake, do you think in terms of the younger guys coming on, do you think it was a I don't know, a bit of a message to the board? Because he kept, Bruno came out after a game and was saying, Oh, well, we're still in the market for a defender on a free transfer with a bit of experience. and, and as Tom said. To play your best player essentially out of position in a position he's got no experience in, despite having, you know, G- Gomez's like five games or whatever his first last season. You've got so you've got two players who are positionally natural in that position. For them not to come on, that that's got to be a you know screaming at something. Whether it's for two players who are on the bench not good enough or the board to bring in more players.
0: It's complicated, I think, especially when you're playing Man City. You know, I I think that for as much, for as harsh as we want to be on Bruno, we did play fairly well for the first 15, 20 minutes of the second half, which is more than I thought we were even going to come close to doing. So to me, do we really want to bring on Todi Gomez when we're sort of keeping possession, actually playing fairly well, down to 10 men against Man City? I don't think that's the right time. Now, you might say at halftime or something, you should bring him on. I get that, but it's 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 Man City. And I mean, this is a team which is going to properly tear you apart even when they're taking their foot off the gas. So I, I certainly understand the hesitation of bringing on someone who's more young and inexperienced, especially since Neves did so well in the position. Um, as for if this keeps happening in the future, yeah, it, it definitely would be. But against Manchester City, I think it's a little more complicated than that.
4: Yeah. Um, do you know what my little tin hat foo behind it was? Um, we all know Pep's a bit of an overthinker, don't we? So you you've seen what happens when he gets to the latter stage of the Champions League. He his, his mind crumbles under the, the weight of what potentially could happen. And I think seeing Ruben Neves play centre half made him kind of go, Ooh. Oh, that's gonna be different. They're gonna want to keep possession more. That means I'm gonna we're gonna have to play things a little bit slower. Whereas I think if maybe you could say naturally he was more inclined to bring on my skill because he's a right-sided centre-half he'd have gone that's an inexperienced centre-half I'm just gonna allow Erling Haaland just to maul him for the next 55 minutes or however long the game was left Um, but it it kind of worked for again the reasons large gave afterwards you know the plan was to continue with Ruben as a centre-back to continue with the ball and push the team midfielders more into the game and continue with pedro and Guedes uh, to push the line of four and kind of go for more of a four four uh four four one um so i, I do get the logic behind this to say it's only a real issue if um you know say we, we're lining up after the international break with it but hopefully it gives us two weeks um for either gomez or um it to, you know, prove who should be alongside Max Killman. Um, but, Blake, uh, you, you hit, you you did a strike on it, but after ascending off for the rest of the first half and going into the second half, we looked a bit of all right. We're doing really well at, mm. you know, beating Man City's press quite um, quite a few times and, and looking dangerous in the middle, middle third of the pitch.
0: Yeah, we were creating great chances, and I think that had we have had a true number nine, we would have scored. It's just that without someone up front to really do the business, we're really just requiring a fluke. And against Man City, there are no flukes. So it was just never really going to happen. And sure enough, they score their third. But, you know, I think there's a lot of promise in this team. It's just there are those little key players and moments that we need to start getting right. I don't exactly know how that's going to come. I mean, this may feed into our discussion about Bruno Lage in general, but... It just feels like the pieces are there; they're just not quite built correctly.
4: Yeah, um, so Paul in the comments uh, makes a an interesting point. It's something we put out on Twitter earlier um, in terms of saying, "Oh, Wolves were doing all right," and try a sliver of optimism. He you goes, know, "Because City took their foot off the gas," um, which I think's fair. I mean, in terms of the balance, Andy, do you think it was Wolves doing a bit of all right or City? taking it a little bit easy on us
2: for you know the middle portion of the game a little bit of both to be perfectly honest because i think city did take their foot off the gas in an attacking sense because i think when we went down to 10 they could have easily put us to the sword and got five six but they knew the game was won to be perfectly honest what city wouldn't and what pep wouldn't accept is to concede any shitty silly goals So I think defensively, they did what they needed to do in order to stop us. But I think attacking, I I agree with Paul, I think it was, they did take the foot off the gas in that sense. But they still kept a very high line, and we did try to exploit that, which was the only way we were going to get any joy, was to try and play over the top and into their, their their final third. And we did okay, but as Blake rightly pointed out, when we got into the positions where we could cross it in or... Try and run into the box, there was nothing. The number of times that the ball broke down one of the wings, and then you'd look into the centre and you'd have five foot nothing Daniel Pedence standing about 20 yards out. You'd have Pedro Neto or guedes on the opposite side just sort of hanging around just on the corner of the box, but no one was busting a gut to get into the middle. Without a striker, we never caused any problems. So I think it was a little bit of both, if I'm being perfectly honest.
4: Yeah, should we talk about the uh, the attacking players then? Because yeah, as Andy said, the the amount of, it, it was like they're they're scared of all three of them
2: going in the box at the same time. We we can't play with three what are effectively wide attacking players. It Doesn't work. We need a central attacking player, and obviously Jimenez has proven that he's broken. Still, uh, it's it's really really sad. But like we just can't be sentimental about these things, unfortunately. Obviously, Kalazic has come in and he's got broken immediately, and Diego Costa he's what two, three weeks away from being semi-fit, let alone full-fit. So we're in a really difficult position at the moment. That what do you do? Do you go with this false number nine, which, as you've said before, Rich? Is it a false number nine, or is he just playing a midfielder up front? And it looks like it's a midfielder up front.
4: Yeah. Um, When I was watching match of the day, I did manage to get a cheeky screenshot. Um, I do have my TV license. so I think I'm entitled to take the screenshot, but (laughs) um, they've had it for uh, the shot shy walls. And it's from um, since the start of last season, Um, but we've had for 17th, most um, shots shots on target goals and shot conversion and we're kind of ranked 17th in all four of those categories guys i mean it's just like we don't take many shots and the ones we do aren't particularly good either it's the the numbers just simply don't lie we just we just don't unfortunately have the players to score goals on a consistent and
2: regular basis or, or even attempt at scoring goals yeah you're right the numbers don't like and they spell disaster for us we are in such a precarious situation at the moment i don't want to talk about relegation or any of that nonsense but the problem is if you don't score goals you're not going to win games So
3: three shots on average per game uh that's three pathetic. shots on target oh, a shot on target for yeah. that's pathetic that's pathetic I'm sorry, it's pathetic. I did a little bit of again. It was probably um, preempting the the talk on Bruno, but I, I may as well bring it up now. But um, so 45 games under Bruno, we scored 41 goals, which is pathetic. Just, Just some sort of relativity. I looked up Burnley's last 45 games, and they've scored 42. So they scored more than us. That's anti-football, time-wasting Burnley. And I'm not aboard the dice train like Stu, but. <laughs> I mean that sums it up for me. It's just forty, forty-one goals in forty-five games. We were promised just attacking football and all this crap, and it's been a load of rubbish.
4: Yeah, it's just simply not sustainable. But that, that's that's my thing, and I know like Stu says he left Benfica because Benfica he couldn't address a slump and stuff like that, and I, and I get it. But whether it's whether you spread for those goals over you know, peaks or trough or average, you're just not going to win the football games to do anything. And this is a side who, you say on paper, I don't think there's any bad players in that first 11 for yesterday. All of them are really good players. But I'd argue that at least one of those attacking um, front three needs to be dropped for a decent striker. And then you've actually got a good team who can do the most important thing in a football match, which is score goals to win games. Yeah,
3: a Ma- reckon- mate of mine who watched sorry, I mate of mine watched it on BT and he said he was genius, summed it up perfectly. I mean, I'm not a massive uh, Jermaine genius fan, but he said technically we look really, really good, but we're so easy to play against because we've got absolutely nothing up front. So it's, they're just the easiest team to defend against. Let them do what they want in the middle. And I do think January second half, I think we played really well. Well, no, no, the really wasn't exaggeration, but I think we were very brave and we tried to play the right way. Um, and we looked decent in the middle because we've got good midfielders, but it gets up top and it's a waste of time.
2: Mm. I think when you look at the attacking zones and stuff over most of the last sort of 18 months, there seems to be a horseshoe effect around the opposition's goal. We're really good going up and down and around. But when you get to that 18-yard box, there's just nothing. There's no passes into the box. Then there's no shots coming from inside the box. If you look at the vast majority of the shots that we've had this season, they've all been from range. And, like, we're just not going to score that many goals from range. We might get one Thunder Bastard like we got with uh, Neves against Newcastle, but it's once-in-a-lifetime kind of things in in football. It's just not going to take us forward.
0: It's so interesting because I've lost that anticipation of, oh, we could actually score here when we're in the box. Because I just know for a fact that it's just not happening. It's gone. I mean, what, we've scored three goals this season so far. Two of them have been complete flukes. It's just, it's ridiculous. And, well, it'll be interesting to see how this moves forward because now all we've got to perhaps even possibly solve it is Diego Costa, who hasn't even played football in 2022. So... I mean, we are in some, some trouble here for the next couple of months. And that's even assuming that we're gonna sign somebody else in January, which we may not. I mean, it's just it's gonna be real interesting to see where this goes.
4: Yeah, I think um what one thing I was sort of thinking about is like look at looking back to what chances we, we've had in games combined I apart from podences, maybe first game of the season, I can't remember how many like clear cut chances we've had eight to ten yards out. We just don't like that aren't maybe from set piece we just don't get players in and around the box well no we get them around the box we're really good at getting them like around the box but then just no one actually in the box to you know score and it it, it just makes me kind of question again getting loaning out fabio Silva.
2: and it, it looks like such a fuck up doesn't it yeah. At the time, we questioned it, and now it just looks like an even worse decision than it already was.
4: Yeah, no, I, you can't... You, you can't factor in your new signing tearing his ACL half an hour into his debut. I, I, I appreciate that, apart from his questionable injury record beforehand. But no one can tell me Fabio Silva didn't do enough last season to justify being basically in rotation with him and S this season unless silver outrightly said no i want to be starting games the majority of games and let's say we're then left with this really tricky situation where we've just got to hope fabio sorry, not fabio Silva, diego costa manages to get match fit in two weeks um before before our next game over the international break and i can't don't see that happening you know unless we've unless we've got two or whatever behind closed doors friendlies we're asking for a minor miracle aren't we yeah um in terms of a couple of i've pulled up Bruno Lage uh, after the game he said he saw good signs that's the most important thing i'd argue against that personally you know there's not too many teams in the world with 10 men that can do what we did against this top team um, when you start the game like that the team suffers we had good moments and the second goal came in a transition when we didn't recover the ball on the second phase and they score I, I get, again again i'm not saying man city completely took their foot off the gas because we've seen what they do to teams if they want to but the same as liverpool when we're on the warpath they're not going to stop because they're two nil three nil look that's a I was going to say that's to Europa League mentality, isn't it? Yeah, <laughs> that's that, that's what we sometimes see as a fan, um, rather than you know what what these teams are going to do. Um, last one I wanted to cover but before we have a really quick um, break was although he's not started the season well, um, Pedro Neto um, hit hundred games for Wolves on Saturday. Obviously, not how he'd have chosen to celebrate it, but. I thought it's definitely worth a bit of recognition because although, let's say, the season's not been great and he's come back off a terrible injury, you still kind of do hope that he is somewhat the future of this of this Wolves team if he can find his form again.
2: Mm, I don't know. I, I'm, I'd am i be quite happy to flog mm. him, to be perfectly honest, for the money. Uh, he's shown that he was a... a A light in a very dark period of time during the no-fan football era. But I don't think I've seen him have a great game for us. He's okay. Um, And if you look at his metrics now, they're very similar to what they were pre-injury. So, really, the only difference is that he's doing exactly what he was before, but now he just looks a bit shit. Like, well done on getting 100 games, mate. But I don't know if I'd rather have the money and reinvest it elsewhere now
4: interestingly um as I, as I set up the wave of positivity hoping that one of you would come mm. crashing down to reality with it um the most amount of goals he's actually scored in a campaign versus five um sure. in, in his, in volumes. His, yeah in that first i say essentially covid season 2019 2020 he got five goals in 44 games um, because we had the Europa League run. he got a couple of goals in that. Um, Then he got five goals in 35 games the season afterwards when it was all behind closed doors before he got his injury. So, you know, he was averaging about one in, just over just over one in six um, in the Premier League in that breakout season. But even still, sort of one in six isn't necessarily quite high enough for what we need, especially when an our player is scoring goals. I guess
3: yeah, it doesn't really
2: t- create a lot of chances either.
3: Sorry, that's t- As I say. It's touches off. It's touches mm. miles off. It mm. bounces. It like it looks like wang.
2: It um, was one and bit can't... yesterday. Wasn't they he tried to trap it in the box and he just it's rolled t- straight to their players. Awful.
3: It, it was so bad. Yeah, and it, I can't remember the last time he hit a clean shot as well. He had that one. Was it first half? He just dragged it. Yeah, we um, had the one against Southampton. He dragged. Um, it's for. I mean, I'm hoping it it comes from, but it looks like it's been space jammed to me. I don't, I don't know what's happened. It's bizarre. I, I, I I'm I'm not going as far as what I said. Uh, what Andy said there. I think there is a there is a really good good player in there. I think he's got he's got what he's got what he, what you need. You know, he's quick. Generally, his touch is, is good, or at least it was. Um, I, yeah, like he's not he's not a player going to get you a load of goals. I don't think, but none of our players seem to be so. Um and he's a wing he, he looked better at the his best game of the season was against Leeds, wasn't it? And he was on the left. Because he, yeah. he wants to he wants to, he, he's not it's not suiting him on the right, he just need to take him out. But again he's having to be moved to accommodate other players. Um so yeah, frustrating.
4: Yeah. Do you think like who very much needs the international break um to give him a bit of a chance to I I, I might think he's actually been called up to the Portugal squad mm. I made right
2: up. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, so, so me,
4: yeah, so me, me, hoping he gets a couple of weeks at uh, Compton to work on the stuff. But do you think actually a couple of ga- you know uh, a couple of weeks away from league football is going to hopefully help him come back on the right path before the next conference features?
0: Well, we just had a couple of weeks with well the current circumstances, so I mean that didn't seem to, to turn anything up. And granted, I know international football is a little bit different, but. I don't know, we'll just kind of have to wait and see. I'm I'm not really I don't really think the international break really gives players that much of a chance to to do anything really. So I mean it could. It could, but I don't know. Everything about this team has seemed so silly this season that I'm just I'm not convinced of anything at this point. And uh, am I really to believe that Pedroneto is just going to completely turn it around by by our next fixture? I don't see it happening personally.
4: No. Um unfortunately me know to be honest we're going to take a short break guys and after this we're going to talk about bruno large's future and answer a couple of questions from twitter corner we'll be back in about 45 seconds
2: hi all
0: gully from wolves FanCast here and just like all of you long-suffering wolves fans i know exactly what it feels like to be lacking a creative spark here some outside of the box thinking there but our sponsors, Pixel Yeti Media, are here to help. They're a creative agency that cover all of your web design, branding, and marketing needs, with our very own WoolsFancast.com a fine example of their work. So much so that I hear Jeff She is looking to do a deal this summer. For now, it's back to the team to ask just where the Diogo Jota money is gone. We may have just had our answer. <laughs>
4: Welcome back, everybody. So, uh, as I was alluding to before break, I appreciate we're against Man City, um, but it somewhat feels, if you're going off social media, um, that the tide is starting to very much turn against Bruno Large. We spoke about it after the draw to Bournemouth, um, where we had a bit of a rant cast uh, with Stu and and Dan on there, um, and Jafaud, and, I think it kind of quelled when we when we beat Southampton, and of course without the Le- Liverpool game, we we've kind of had a bit of time without playing much football. Um, but I'm still seeing, hearing lots of Bruno outcalls. Um, a few people still supporting him as well. But I guess my question to you guys is: Is there anything realistically that you think Bruno can do to turn this team around?
2: um
3: silence <laughs> yeah, yeah,
2: exactly
0: let's, I mean... <laughs> let's be
4: honest, like the, the big thing that we are you know bruno himself ref, um, said we need a reference point up front um and it's very clear we're missing a natural striker who can push a team an extra 10 15 yards into the box and give them something to think about and it you could argue it sort of worked against southampton in the first half um with sass gladnich but we we don't have that anymore and i guess my question a different way of phrasing it then is if a new manager comes in what would they be able to do differently that bruno large isn't doing because we're still kind of hamstrung with the same players apart from maybe diego costa being back um fit in a couple of weeks same with maybe Jimenez after a break as well um but i think it's always a tricky one when you're potentially get rid of
3: someone mid season, yeah, I you think, think that this thing with the reference point, you know, he said, oh, I need a reference, so it's obvious, yeah, we all know, we can, we can all see that, and, and we're not disputing what he's saying there. He had one last season, he's in the same one as well, and he still only scored mm. 30, 38 goals. It seems to me that he, you know, he, he changed to four at the back, which you're all screaming for, fine. But it seems like he just thought that would magically just solve all our problems, when it clearly hasn't. There's still something fundamentally wrong up front. Um... You know, okay, I'm not, a, I'm not a football manager, but but surely there's something you know that you can do other than just stick an extra body up there because all that look, all it looks like to me is is that he's just stuck an extra body up there. The pattern of play is the same as what it was last season. We still look like a team. who's trying to quick in transition and tries to counter. Um, I can't see anything different he's done other than change the shape and expected just the same results. And yeah, he's changed a couple of you know. Again, he's changed personnel as well. So, you know, you'd have thought maybe that'd help. You've got a ball-carrying midfielder now and he is a ball-carrying midfielder. We've seen that, you know, and I thought he had half-decent game yesterday. Um, mm. But it's it's still, that's what Don Donko was, what he was trying to do with Donko last season. He's still playing the midfield three in the same way he was playing the midfield three last season. Um, and, he's, and he's, again, the shape's similar up front, really, isn't it? So, you know, He's got a body there that he's not really doing much extra with in regard to output. In fact, the output's worse than last season. And that's depressing enough in itself.
1: It
2: doesn't look like there's going to be any goals coming from that midfield three, other than absolute worldies. And that's always going to be an issue. If you're reliant on one player to get all of your goals, you're going to be in trouble. I don't know what it is. It feels like he's got the right pieces, but maybe not in the right place, I, I don't know Um I mean Nunes is definitely an upgrade on Dendonka, he's a player who can't influence in the middle of the park you saw that yesterday but without that that focal point it was all for note really So I, I honestly don't know what the issue is because there is clearly, as Tom said a fundamental problem with this team because that back four, we look as solid now as we did last season to be perfectly mm-hmm. honest, we don't yeah. look any weaker for having dropped a player there but how have we gained a player forward of that back line and it not have changed anything at all? Is it because that Jimenez got injured pre-season, so he hasn't had a pre-season, and now we're playing catch-up with him to the point that he's injured now? Obviously, Diego Costa is a, a non-entity so far this season, and then Kladzic is also another issue. So is it, is it just that Jimenez isn't the man for that role? And once we do get the right man in there, things will happen. I honestly don't know what the answer is. Part of me wants them to just try switching the wingers over because I'm not convinced with Neto on the right and Guido's on the left. It's good that they can cut in and shoot but they don't seem to be good enough to actually pull off great goals. So maybe playing them wide and then you can actually get balls into the box. Especially when you've got someone like Diego Costa who loves that kind of shit. That's his game is trying to get in there but if you're playing with inverted wingers you're not going to get the best out of a Diego Costa because he's not going to be flinging himself at any balls coming into the box is he so, I don't know what it is, I don't know if it's just a case if he needs to tweak a few things but it, it just the whole reign of Bruno has felt like he's been playing catch up all of last season it felt like it was, Bruno, it was Nuno's team under Bruno and we'll be okay, we're in transition but we'll be okay And then this year, we didn't get the players in in the summer. So we've been playing catch-up, trying to sign them during the season. Then they get injured. So we're playing catch-up with the replacement, who then gets injured. So we're playing catch-up with the new replacement. It almost feels like we're always two steps behind where we need to be with Bruno. Whether that's poor management or bad luck, I don't know what the answer is. But something's got to give.
4: Yeah, I think that that's that's sort of my trailer for Andy in terms of is it bad luck or bad judgment because it, Bruno was kind of fairly open last preseason, his first his first year, wasn't he? In terms of what he wanted to do and what the limitations were, but we have spent an awful lot of money in the summer, and I thought Gonzalo Gredis had a decent enough game. He's he shown he's shown a large amount of promise. Best game yet, I think yeah yeah and i kind of go is he necessarily what we needed in the grand scheme of things though but then we we get into us so but there wasn't any of the areas pre-injury and whatever where we go we've improved our center half department um in, in terms of getting in nathan cottons who allows us to do uh have a bit of variation although the irony of Colin Cody apparently having a great game today. Captaining Everton in the middle of the back four. Um, the <laughs> irony is not lost on me. We bring in Mateus Nunes. Record signing. Again, what we've been screaming out for the donkeys. Um, and getting a new striker in as well. I think the only one that was a bit maybe a bit of an outsider was Guedes. But again, he, t- he ticks a lot of boxes in terms of what we look for in this team. Um, but you, you're right. We we've kind of always seem to be a bit reactive um, in terms of what we want to do. Uh, Blake, Blake, how are you looking at the situation around Larcher at the moment? I think it's
0: one of those things where, especially when you can't really pinpoint it, it almost always falls on the manager. I mean, you can't fire mm. the whole team, so you have to do something. And I think mm. it. I think if this keeps up, the axe is inevitably going to fall on Bruno. I think West Ham's going to be a big, big moment for him. Um, I, I don't. I don't know, it's strange because I don't think any of us would have really said that Bruno was going to be a perfect long-term fit for Wolves. It's not as if we were jumping for joy when he was announced in the first place. So is he someone that we really want to take a risk on, on keeping him on and seeing how he can do over the next season or the next few seasons? I don't know, especially considering his track record, as as Andy has sort of said. It, it feels like it's always been catch-up, and there are certainly reasons for that. But at the end of the day, especially the Premier League, is unbelievably results driven and we just have not been getting the results and if it continues like this even for the next couple of games i think i think he just has to go and we just have to try something else and see if it gives vigor to these players i mean that's one of the things you ask is 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 another manager going to be able to give you something else it's like okay he might not be able to do something different tactically but he might be able to give the players some sort of step up or vigor or or eagerness that we just don't have under bruno right now
4: yeah, I, 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 I'm very much in agreement um, with that for, I say, well, what, what can another manager do? Because the personnel hasn't changed. And I don't, what I can't quite work out is, will a new manager motivate, say, Pedro Neto to burst into the box a bit more? Or, you know, Daniel Podens to try and nip between two centre-halves um, on the six-yard line? And I, I don't quite know. And I can't kind of go well if another manager comes in with a relatively similar philosophy because but, but they will do um, then you can't really get looked in the same situation that all these players are a bit you say technically very good but not ruthless um, I mean Paul in the comments has um, popped up saying you know the pedigree is the top manager he has to come in um, Tom, do you see any any likelihood of that happening? I know Seville haven't started um great, I don't think, in the league. Do you think it would be,
3: you know, six years on from the fact or whatever it is now? Yeah, I think their XG's worse than ours. um was <laughs> not I I d I I I wasn't I wasn't against it in the summer. Um but if you look if you if you delve into his recent record it's quite He's gone a bit nooner. He's gone quite negative by the by all accounts, and they play they play in the middle third of the pitch, and and not much else. Um, so it'd be it'd be a bit of a gamble. Although I think it like like I agree. Like something ha- if if it doesn't change in the next few games, something something has to give, and we've just got to give it a, another crack with sort something something different. Um, you talked about philosophy there, and he came in with a philosophy of or, you know, with a reputation of attacking coach, develops young players. And I know made this point in the group earlier. He, has he developed all young players? I'd say absolutely not at all. Nor uh, was mildly better, wasn't he? Like, you like, know, let, let's be fair, he, he was better last season um, than he had been. But he's had, he had, what, eight games where we had nothing really to play for and he, to blood Fabio ahead of a broken role and he and he hasn't done it so where is this developing youth players comes from um, there's definitely no attacking football on show um so all this promise that you know that, that he had when he first came in just it just hasn't materialized and, he's got, and he hasn't got any excuses now because he's got the players yes okay they were brought in a bit later than he wanted uh, which is which is fair enough um but I, I, he doesn't help himself at all. he doesn't sit. The, I don't think the fans have really taken to him or there's the, 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 there's not the connection with the fans that, that we saw. I know Nuno's probably a different ball game, but the, the, there's not really anything at all. He doesn't really acknowledge the fans, doesn't really do too much. Um, he talks a lot of shit in press conferences, media. I mean, what was that bollocks about? Raoul and Sasha coming back, Oh, they'll yeah. be fine for Liverpool. It's been, what, four weeks and Raoul's not back now? Um and Sasha's out for nine months, so I don't know what the hell he was talking about there. Um, so he just doesn't. And then he, is it? The ran called me a little bit with it. He said uh, about Costa. I'm sure he said something like, "Oh, hope hopefully we'll see the Costa that that was that was tearing it up." Like you know when he was playing for Chelsea, and I think he just setting the guy up to fall on his face you know you're getting the fans all whooped up expecting him to be you know the player he was and you you know i think everyone accepts that he's not going to be that player but i mean if he's 60 70 percent of that player will take it but yeah i I think he might coach maybe management management material i'm not i'm not convinced to be honest in fairness
2: sorry rich uh in fairness nuno was a miserable bastard who spoke a lot of shit as well but we've been winning underneath him. And I think that makes all the difference in the world. You can talk all the shit you want as long as you're getting yeah. points at the end of it. And and that's yeah. not what Bruno has been doing. He's not been picking up the points. And that's how we manage lives or dies. It's on the wins, not anything else, unfortunately. But I was just looking at the next rut of games we've got when we get back. West Ham, Chelsea, Forest, Palace, Leicester. Then you've got Brentford, Brighton and Arsenal taking us up to the World Cup. So those are games, apart from probably Chelsea away, where you would be looking to really establish where we're going. Is he going to be there at West Ham is the big question that I put to you three now. Do, Do you stick with him in the hopes that by the time we get to West Ham on the 1st of October, that we've got a fit Diego Costa? And do you have the faith in him to take us forward? I personally think he gets up until the Arsenal game before the World Cup. What do you
3: think then? Oh, I think he gets the next three. I think if we don't pick up at least four, four, maybe four points, and I'll add the caveat of scoring more than like two goals. Um, I think he goes. I don't think it, it, it can it can carry on. You know, if we if we get a, you know, we get a sort of like a, a nil nil at West Ham a loss to to chelsea in a one nil win against forest he might just about save his bacon but i mean it wouldn't be i, mean, I still think the, the jury be be out for me
0: i i think that he he has to get a point against west ham for me i think if we lose to west ham we are in i wouldn't say dire straits but it's clear that something needs to be done and uh, as much as i appreciate what bruno has done it doesn't really seem to me like giving him the whole season is really going to be, I don't think it's going to have that much potential to it. And I, I just, I don't see Bruno being long-term a great manager for Wolves. I'm, I'm just going to have to say it right here, right now. And, you know, if he can turn things around, great. If we can get, you know, six, seven points in these next three games, then sure, keep him on board. But i think that he really needs to step it up now and if he can't then we just need to try something different because what other options do we have wait till january for the transfer window to reopen and then maybe get a striker that might work Uh, i just don't know and i just think that in the immediate future when we have so limited options and we're admittedly we are what 17th in the table now 17th right yeah Yeah. I mean, we're really flirting with danger here, and I—I I don't think we're going to get relegated even still. But I mean, we can't do that. That is the one thing that we just cannot do. And if there's any risk, I think we do have to say goodbye to Bruno.
4: Yeah, yeah I was going to say I'm kind of in in between both camps in a way. I think if you are getting to mid October, I think about four games for me, because um, I think Chelsea's. I'd normally say it's a bit of a write-off, but also expecting Diego Costa to be fit by then. And it's just written in the stars he'd score against Chelsea. And he'd score a winning goal. So, um, you know, narrative aside, um, but again, about West Ham, not losing that game is imperative, but it's also the performances. And, you know, you, it, it, in Derby saying in the comments, you know, Um, you know one winning 14 you guys give him three games and (laughs) i I do i do get it and i think we've spoken previously you know do we do we count last season's games and things like that but there are some eminently winnable games i I, i'd like to say between now and the the world cup break in the you know what is it eight fixtures um and, and a league cup tie of which apart from chelsea and arsenal all the other teams we are facing are mid-table or lower. Um, and, and by what I mean, like they're not a top six side. And I, 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 I don't know. I think it, Bruno can be a bit of a streaky manager, or he was for us last season. But that comes with inconsistencies as well. So I, it, part of me does go, you know what? I could see us going on a six-match and beaten run in the next six games it might not be it won't be pretty and it will probably be like you know three wins and three draws spread sporadically and we'd probably not deserve at least five of those points but i can see something like that happening i i maybe give them up to the world cup break maybe but i think if we end up losing the next three then Hmm. we're, we're 10 games you know we're I think enough of the season has gone to make a decision at that point. Um, So I think, yeah, these next three games are going to be very interesting uh, for Wolves. And hopefully it'll be interesting to see what the mood changes around the squad and on social media, as we say, and the general atmosphere around the club um, post-international break and see how we do against uh, West Ham. But I've got three questions from Twitter corner for you guys. Um, Let's see who's up first. Um, Gaz Roberts asks is this the most boring Wolves side to watch since Glenn Hoddle and I've been my out, I don't, nah. brain's out no. I
2: don't nah. think it's really surely Nuno's yeah. final season was more boring because we weren't even there to be bored for it either so that didn't help having to watch it on TV
3: there's a jacket nil-nils as well that was pretty oh, that, that, so that,
4: was gonna, oh. that was going um, to be my shout when we had like three nil-nils at home in a row or something silly
3: Hmm. At least you can at least you can see like Nevers pick out like a seventy yard ping. I mean, we didn't have that back then. You'd have yeah. George Savile passing it out of play from ten yards. So at least <laughs> you're getting a bit of like a little bit of entertainment. Yeah, um, I can
4: at least see there's quality on show with uh, with this yeah. one. Um, next up, still with the who I believe might be on the YouTube comments, um, judging, by the, judging by the handle. So, four years ago, Willie Bolly got a three match ban and a straight red card and a three and on loss to Man City. Collins has surely repeated that feat. Um, which Wolves player is most likely to be at the club and commit the ceremonial horror tackle um, versus City in 2026 20, 27? Totally Gomez.
2: I, I Bobby but, but Chem Campbell. Ooh. yeah, he'll he'll lose his mm. head and take a swing at whichever centre half he's up against at that point.
3: Well, like a thirty-eight or thirty-nine-year-old Diego Costa, exactly. a big, a big old <laughs> headbutt. A...
4: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what about you, Blake?
0: Yeah, Diego Costa,
4: cane in hand, smashing
0: it against uh, <laughs> whichever city uh, player he chooses.
4: <laughs> lovely, last but not least vengeance. Uh we have one from Martin, what would you queue 24 hours for?
2: Absolutely nothing, skull. I'm not that mental <laughs> <laughs> yeah, wolf's a half decent Wolves performance
0: being able to deliver a Ben Collins style kick to uh, Grealish
4: yes <laughs> yeah, shout out yeah <laughs> i enjoy that very much um we'll wrap up there for today folks um i guess we're not going to be back for a little while unless we decide to do something fun and interesting over the international break um but we we'll, we will be back to preview what's looking like a very tense game against west ham on the 1st of october so just wake me up when september ends um, I'd be, I was waiting to try and pull that in, Andy, when you said it earlier when you were doing the countdown, and I then lost my nerve <laughs> on it. Uh, um, but big shouts out to our sponsors, Pixel Yeti Media and uh, Pi- uh Pixel. Let me start that again. Bloody hell! Uh, ninety min and Pixel Yeti Media. Also, um, if you are in town, uh, make sure you check out uh, Chikaros on Broad Street. Uh, you can get twenty percent off there using the discount code FANCAST20 or just showing them your season tickets um, make sure you keep up to date with all things Wolves and Wolves FANCAST on our socials that's at Wolves FANCAST and if you are watching on YouTube make sure you like share and subscribe as well until next time it's goodbye from Blake see ya it's goodbye from Tom bye all Bye from Andy Ta-ra. and it's goodbye from me see you next time
1: Experiences are what people love most about travel. With Viator, you can browse and book tours and activities so incredible, you'll want to tell your friends. They offer everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. Viator has experiences in over 190 countries. There's something for everyone. Plus, Viator's travel experiences have millions of real traveler reviews, so you have the information you need to book the best activities for your trip. Viator lets you keep things flexible. Use Reserve Now and Pay Later to secure the activities you don't want to miss without being locked in. Whether you want to take a backstage tour of the Grand Ole Opry, a Miami Bimini Bahamas day trip by ferry, or a private guided tour of the Grand Canyon, Viator is for you. Download the Viator app now and use Viator 10 for 10% off your first booking. One app, over 300,000 experiences you'll remember. Do more with Viator.